0: What do we know about Luke? Well, Dr. Luke had the mind of a scientist. Therefore, he was a careful historian. But he had the heart of a physician. He loved people, especially hurting people. As one, one writer said it, he had the mind of a scientist, the pen of a poet, the heart of a doctor, and through exquisite vocabulary, He gives the reader a front row seat into the life of Jesus. Matthew was writing for the perspective of showing Jesus as king. Mark, fast-moving Mark, showed Jesus as servant. Luke showed him as the son of man, John the son of God. As I was looking over this and trying to determine an easy way to follow, we have wrestled with how to pace it, and what to do when. But I would like to ask you to turn with me to page 134. That's the good thing about if you use this. I don't have to tell you how to find the reference, all right? Turn to page 134. And on page 134, we see Luke 19, verse 10. Some believe that this could be used as a simple outline for the gospel of Luke. Now, would you look this way for just a moment before we break it down? For those of you who've studied the book of Acts, you know that in the book of Acts, it says you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that, that verse becomes like an outline, a breakdown of the book of Acts. Well, here we have a breakdown, really, of Dr. Luke's account of Of the life of Jesus. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It begins with the coming of the Son of Man. And we see in these first few chapters the detail of how he came. In the center of the book, we see him seeking. We see him reaching out to hurting people. And we watch the caring, compassionate Christ as he demonstrates a different kind of love and a different kind of perspective than any man that's ever walked the face of the earth, the God-man Jesus. And then we see at the end, we watch him as he saves us, going to the cross, paying for our sin, and being raised from the dead. So this verse is a good place for us to put our minds of the coming of Jesus That's what we're going to be doing during the month of December. Then the seeking of Jesus, watching him as he reaches out and loves people in a way that no one had ever seen or imagined. And then watching the saving work of Jesus as he died on the cross and was raised from the dead. So let's go back, and with that being somewhat of an outline, let me just talk to you one more moment about Dr. Luke himself and how he presents Christ. He presents Christ as the compassionate Son of Man who came to live among sinners, love them, help them, and die for them. In this gospel, we see individuals as well as crowds. We see women and children as well as men. We see poor people as well as rich people. We see sinners along with those who were claiming to be saints. We see a book with a message for everybody. And we will soon read on Christmas Eve and the Sunday before Christmas how this good tidings of great joy was to be for all people. Luke takes very intricate details, unpacking the life of Christ, in such a careful way but applying it with great compassion and he of all the gospel writers makes sure we see women ladies, women and the place that they made in the coming of Christ, the seeking of Christ and the sharing of Christ following the saving of Christ so Luke chapter 1 if you're using this, it's page six. Come on, it's not that hard to find, all right? Luke chapter one, the gospel according to Dr. Luke. Verse one, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered to it them to us it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you most excellent theophilus that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught lord we open your word with great reverence we take it for what it is the very word of god we pray now that you will use it to speak to us in a personal way. Lord, we know that there are a lot of things flying around in our day that touch our emotions, sometimes confuse us. So today we ask that you would give us simple ears to hear the voice of your Spirit, the great teacher and applier of the Word of God, as he speaks to our hearts to comfort us, to challenge us, to confirm us, to rebuke us, to release us. So Holy Spirit, would you move and bring this word home to our hearts? That's why we pray this very simple prayer. Lord God, speak to my heart. Would you pray that prayer aloud with me? Lord God, speak to my heart. And Lord, as you speak, we'll know that it's you. So we listen for your voice now in Jesus' name, amen. Notice how Luke said to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. That seems like an unusual word. Why didn't he say the things that happened among us? Why did he choose this word to describe what happened in the life of Christ? Well, I'm really glad you asked. Because that word in and of itself reminds us that something has been fulfilled. Something that had been promised had now happened. Do you remember for weeks we walked through the Old Testament looking at the story of God pointing to the coming of Christ? We saw it promised even in the garden and then to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We saw it as it was promised to David. We saw it as the prophets proclaimed it and as we anticipated it. And now Luke says, I want to make sure you understand the things that have been accomplished what happened when jesus came what did he fulfill well it's interesting to me that that word is used like a bookend when you go to the back of luke's gospel probably the easiest way to find it would literally be just go right to the back of the book and then turn to you see text which is found in luke chapter 24 it's page 174 for you to find it and follow along and jesus has been raised from the dead And he's speaking to them, and he says to them in verse 44, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, take a moment to think about what he just said. The things written about me in the law of Moses, Old Testament. The things written about me in the prophets, Old Testament. Old Testament. The things written about me in the Psalms, Old Testament. So Jesus explained to them the things that were written about him in the Old Testament and how they must be fulfilled. It's a little unfortunate that, that we don't have the exact same word in English, but this in the original text. But there's the word. Accomplished. The things that had been promised were now being accomplished. Now, before you leave this page, I want you to go down to verse 48 and say, you are witnesses of these things. We'll come back to that, but I want you to see the thread of the beginning of Luke and the ending of Luke. Now, let's go back to the beginning. He said, these are the things that have been accomplished among us. What had been accomplished? A simple outline of the Old Testament and New Testament would be the Old Testament is promises made. The New Testament are the promises fulfilled. So what Luke is about to present to us in the life of Christ is how the promises that were made were fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. So that's what has been accomplished. Now, Verse 2: Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word of God have delivered them to us. Maybe I should stop right here and remind you that Dr. Luke was not in that original band of disciples. He, we meet him in the book of Acts as he is with Paul. But now he is saying, All of them delivered that to us. It's interesting how it starts. Inasmuch as many have undertaken. I don't really want to go down this trail and get lost. But I I do want to say to you, here's what's going to happen during the month of December. I can almost promise it to you. The secular television will find a way to challenge the authenticity of Jesus it happens every year they will find ways to look for a another gospel they will find fascinating ways to bring other things out luke is not denying that other people wrote things down but the spirit of god is proclaiming that they were not authentic these were the early church if you're if you're a uh, one that wants to investigate the way Luke investigated, let me welcome you to it. If you're ever told by a pastor that you ought to check your brains at the door and just accept everything in the Bible by faith, you probably ought to leave that church, all right? Because the Word of God can be tested, and it will prove true. And so as you look at this presentation by Luke, he is saying other people have told these stories, both oral tradition and writing. Other people have tried to write it down. And Dr. Luke himself has thoroughly investigated those who wrote those things down. He said, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. I look at this and I think they didn't ask me to be on the translation committee of the ESV. But I ought to put a comma there. It's just a hard sentence for me to read, okay? Just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, who is this Dr. Luke? He is one that can do an autopsy, all right? He is one that can study cause and effect. He is one that is trying to figure out what was the true story and what really happened. Luke presents details. For those of you that like details, notice I didn't always put myself in that category, all right? But for those of you that really like details, let me tell you, Dr. Luke was a detailed historian. For instance, let's just look at a few other places. Verse 5 says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea. He really was a king, okay? Turn two, three, four pages, five pages, six pages. Go a little further, all right? Go over to page 18, all right? And look at Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. For those of you that memorized this when you were a little kid in Sunday school, you always had trouble with the names of those folks, right? Well, Luke is painfully capturing the historicity of Christ he is making sure we see and you can go and study any secular approach you like and find out that those really were people alright Caesar Augustus Quirinius and you'll you'll find that to be true but you'll also find if you keep turning a few more pages we won't do this everywhere but go to chapter 3 it's on page 24 Chapter chapter 3 begins in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea Herod being the Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, Tetrarch of the region. And see, I just, I can't pronounce some of those words myself, all right? But what was Luke doing? He was making sure that the reader understood he had carefully investigated the claims of who Jesus is and what Jesus did, and he wrote it down. Now back to chapter 1. Verse two, just as those things from the beginning, were, those from, from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me, having followed all those things closely, having carefully examined what took place, having, if you will, interviewed in some cases some of the sources. How did Luke know so much about Mary? How did he know all those details about Mary? How did he know that Mary pondered these things in her heart? Luke had gone to great lengths to investigate and carefully follow those things that happened in time past. He then says he did it to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus. An orderly account. In perfect order. No, that's not exactly what that word means. It means to organize it in a way that makes sense, to present it in a fashion that you can follow. So Luke took the life and the teachings of Jesus presenting him in Galilee presenting him on the road to Jerusalem presenting him entering Jerusalem presenting him being rejected and beaten and going to a cross to pay for my sin and for your sin presenting him raised from the dead, presenting him to those eyewitnesses who saw him alive again, I went to great length to put these things in an orderly fashion so that you could follow it, O great Theophilus. Who is Theophilus? Seems like it reminds me of a word that of a drug we used to use when my daughter had asthma, you know? It had, it had that in there somewhere, all right? Break down the word theophilus. Theos, you've heard it, theology, okay? Phileo, love. O lover of God. Now, Johnny and I were joking about books that we wanted to read, commentaries we wanted to read. Uh, one guy named uh, Bach from uh, Dallas Seminary has, you know, this kind of version <laughs> on the Gospel of Luke. And I assure you that scholars spend their time, I'm not one, but I can read them, okay? Scholars spend their time debating the finer points of things. I'm glad that somebody takes the time to do all of that research and come to conclusions that we can read and study for ourselves. Theophilus, was he a real guy? Maybe. Could have been a Roman convert. Or it could have been a code name for people who became followers of Christ. Now, if you need to go and study that so you'll feel good about it, you go for it, all right? But I'll tell you, application for me and you today is this was thoroughly researched, captured, and presented to us, and we are lovers of God. Amen? You were a little slow on that, all right? You weren't quite ready, all right? We are lovers of God. Why? We love him because he first loved us. But we read this account of Jesus and we find ourselves wanting to see what God did through Dr. Luke to put these things in an orderly fashion so we could once again bask, as it were, in the life and the teachings of Jesus. Would you be willing to pray a prayer with me between now and Easter? Lord, as I read the book of Acts, may I fall in love with Jesus fresh again. May I not only be fascinated by, but may I find myself worshiping with those who encountered this one who loved like no one had ever loved and who taught like no one had ever taught. Oh, that God would use this season of Advent and that next season of looking at the life of Jesus, going to the cross, to put into me and you a deeper love for Jesus. Now, as he writes this down and puts it before Theophilus, He said, here's why, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Certainty about the things you were taught. The word taught there, I'm just going to pronounce it for you in the Greek just because you'll hear the English derivative, ketikeo. All right. You do hear something in there whether you realize it or not. Catechism. Most of you growing up Baptists don't have a clue what it is, all right? But the the catechism is the boiling down of the basics, the foundational things that we would like the followers of Christ to know. So whether or not we catechize or put you in catechism class, We want you to see that Theophilus had been taught the basics of Christianity, and and I want to ask you, who taught you? Have you been taught? Did you grow up in a Christian home where you were taught the basics about Jesus? Did some of you memorize Luke 2? And you... When we get there, you you're not going to have to even look down at the page, but you're going to see the Christmas story unfold with little kids in bathrobes, right? And and you're going to see the angel. And I remember that first time that I think it was among the first times my kids were in a Christmas play, Josh got to be a donkey. Uh, he he kind of thought it was cool, right? He didn't want to be that fluffy angel, you know. But if you think about who taught you and what have you been taught about Jesus, then the follow-up question ought to be, then what has your teaching taught your living? And what have you done with the teaching to make you trust more? Not just know about But know the Lord Jesus. As Dr. Luke wrote to Theophilus, he said, I want to write so that you will know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So this morning, I want us to take just a moment to talk about that certainty. We've already looked at Luke's thorough investigation. We haven't talked about the harmony of the Gospels of how from four different viewpoints they present one life of Christ. We, we haven't talked about what this certainty should do in our lives. But the word certainty here in its background is a word for security. This morning, does your faith Bring security to your life does it give you a place where your heart can rest something happens to me every christmas can we just have a little counseling session for a moment if i had a sofa up here i'd lay down on it and i'd let you be the counselor something happens to me every christmas i can't explain it it's pre-programmed emotions from my past. I remember every Christmas, my mother and father arguing and then trying to fake unity in our presence. I remember the wars that took place. And you know what else I remember? I remember my mother feeling sorry that she couldn't buy our, her family, her kids, good presents and going out and charging things like crazy and spending the next six months of the next year trying to pay off what she had charged. And it was only when I got older that I realized that she had spent money she didn't have and she was living in bondage because of her own guilt not knowing how to express love except the way others were comparing the expressions of love. We get married and KK has to say to me, Honey, you don't have to do all that? you really don't have to do all that. I, I'm I'm very grateful that my wife's love language is not gifts because I'm bad at it. But I, I say all that to say, in this Christmas season, where's your security? Is your security in stuff? Okay, we can thank God for Hallmark, but life's not always Hallmark movies, okay? They don't always have the Hollywood ending. It's not always perfect. And everybody's happy and just loves each other. All right? Some of you found that out when you got married and you had to go to your in-laws for Christmas. Okay? Some of you found out that the traditions were different and you found out that the way people expressed Christmas wasn't the way you expressed Christmas. I want to ask you, going into this Christmas season, preparing for the coming of Christ, waiting for Christmas Day, do you have certainty, security in the things that have been taught? One time I heard someone explain faith in a way that made so much sense to me i had always seen faith like the little train i think i can i think i can i think i can all right i i had always seen faith like i want to believe i want to believe i want to believe and if you want a good dose of that just go find a tv preacher probably and he'll give you some of that all right not all of them but most of them all right health prosperity kind of talking yourself into feeling good believing. But that's not faith. The little I think I can train is a bad example of Bible faith. Do you want to know what is a good picture of Bible faith? Some of you are really going to have to use your imaginations on this because you've always lived in the South. But those who have lived in the North can tell us what happens when it gets cold and things begin to freeze over and kids begin to wait for the time they can go skating on that ice. And somebody's got to go out and see if it's trustworthy. The best way for you to picture appropriate bible faith is look at a frozen lake a frozen body of water and take a drill and drill down in and drill some more and drill some more and realize you can't even touch the water because the ice is so thick it's that trustworthy I invite you to Christ. Christ is so deep and so trustworthy. You can examine him in the greatest depths and you will in no way begin to exhaust the measurement of his glory, of his goodness, of his love. When Paul told Paul, when He's the best Bible writer, right? When when Luke told Theophilus, I want you to have certainty in what you've been taught. I would say to you today, can you receive Jesus like a child? He said, unless you come in childlike faith in Luke 18, 17, that you cannot really inherit the kingdom of God. But now that you've been taught with childlike faith, can you drill down into the core of his character and see who he is? Join Mary in singing the song, My Soul Does Magnify the Lord. Join the angels in singing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, Peace, goodwill toward men with whom he's well pleased. Join the shepherds in going and investigating the Christ life, Christ born in the manger, and leave rejoicing. One writer said it this way, God is the great actor and the great goal of this story. He is the beginning planning all things. He is the middle accomplishing all things. And at the end, may he be magnified in all things. So this morning... I invite you to Christ. As an act of your worship, would you come to the word of God and say, Lord, teach me more about who Jesus is and what he did. Would you pray with me? It may be that you're here today and you're brand new to this christianity stuff you're still trying to discover who jesus is and what he did you're still trying to understand how he came and how he suffered and how he died this morning i remind you that he accomplished And fulfilled the promises of God. All of our sin was laid on him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. If this is all new to you. Do like we all have had to do. Bring your sin to Jesus. He will give you his righteousness. If you have been taught but you struggle trusting, I invite you to Christ. Examine the majestic way in which he came. See the incredible love and in how he lived. As a follower of Christ, pray with me that we will become, in our own right, Theophilus, a lover of God. And Lord, as you use your word to speak to us, may we drill down into your trustworthiness. And realize that you alone can satisfy and bring security to our soul. In Jesus' name we pray.